This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver, it was chaos at the Capitol on Monday night as state lawmakers, as usual, went down to the wire passing legislation. So we're talking about all the big changes the Governor Polis and the Democrats managed to actually agree on, what they didn't, where they go from here, and all the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, May 12th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the state that is technically not a rectangle, but is in fact a hexa hecta conta chi heptagon He pulled it off. Did I? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't realize how much energy you actually brought when I'm in person for this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we'll introduce you in a second. I'll get there. I have to explain what that word was. It means a 697-sided shape which i guess is what colorado is because they got the borders wrong um anyway brie is out sick today so we have one of our friday favorites back she's the editor and founder of westward welcome back patty calhoun thanks so much patty do you know that uh you know that about the rectangle not actually being true well let's say we, i knew colorado was not square mm -hmm. but i didn't realize we had so many issues with our borders <laughs> mm-hmm Mm -hmm. um, that fact was from Atlas Obscure, by the way. I should mention that. Um, but also, you've heard his voice already. He's a returning guest, but a Friday first-timer. He reports on politics for Colorado Public Radio. Andy Kenny, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Andy, how are you feeling about the rain this week? The rain? Oh, it's wonderful. I was stuck in the Capitol for four months straight, and to come out of it and see the world is alive and, you know, doing worldly things is really nice. Yeah, fresh, blooming, fresh, flowers yeah. are blooming. Yeah. I love this time of year in Denver. I just can't get the enough best. of it. I love the bad predictions. It's amazing what Denver is still here. Well, Wednesday, if you listen to the forecasts, you thought we would have been blown right off the planet. Right. Which, frankly, you might be happy if it had happened to the Capitol, <laughs> right, Andy? The Capitol could withstand any force of nature, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, all right. So before we get to our top story, I have some exclusive news to share. I haven't said this to anybody in the room. This is a surprise to everybody. Um, but it comes in the context of the mayor's race, which is heating back up. That's right. It's time for even more mayoral madness. Ballots are going out next week. Endorsements are rolling in. Kelly Bruff this week got the endorsement of uh, her former opponent, Chris Hansen. Mike Johnston had this big press conference at Civic Center where uh, Ian Thomas Tafoya, his former opponents, Jim Walsh, Terrence Roberts, Al Gardner. I saw on social there was a pic of him and Chauncey Billups also this Julie week. Julie Gonzalez, state senator okay. as well. She's also behind Mike? Yep. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, here's my uh, exclusive news. I was texting with Renata Behrens last night. She's the uh, mayoral candidate who I interviewed at her retirement home Yep. Uh, Windsor Gardens. So she does have an endorsement. She had been thinking about it. She prefers Kelly. 
She's going, going for, Kelly. for Kelly. It was kind of confusing why, uh, but she said that Mike is a, a Harvard and Yale guy, and he should go to Washington and run for president instead. One of Renata's main reasons for running was that she needed a job, and this seemed like as good a one as any, which I mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She would be great appointment secretary. She would be great in the mayor's office. Do you honestly think so? She would be entertaining she would be in the mayor's office. She would be interesting. Um, Patty, do you think Bruff or Johnston has the edge right now? I would say Johnston, but with no evidence at all beyond just people I have talked to around town. Okay. No, there's no polling that I've seen that's recent. Um, but I just have that feeling right now, but it could swing in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, he did win the most votes in the first round. So that's and a pretty good indicator. It seems like the endorsement drumbeat, at least this week's a little bit favored him, but I've not been tracking it too closely. Yeah. yeah. And frankly, the endorsements he got wasn't a huge block. I mean, how many total votes would he get from those four? The most interesting part is that Terrence Roberts was pretty ruthless with Mike Johnston in mm-hmm. the debates, if you remember, because they'd shared an office mm-hmm. at one point. And Mike Johnston was always pretty gracious to him. So yeah. interesting that this happened. Yeah, I agree. I could never quite nailed down what the dynamic was between them now. I mean, I know that they were both um, involved in that story. Well, Terrence's story that became the book, The Holly, and then Mm -hmm. the documentary, The Holly, that a lot of people have seen now. But um, yeah, something to look into more maybe in the future. Um, Anyway, uh, listeners, we're talking about the mayor's race. Bree and I did sit down with the two candidates earlier this week. So stay tuned for that next week. Those were very interesting conversations. There was this one moment with Kelly in particular that just like... She caught me off guard with something. Totally surprised me. It was interesting. Can't wait. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The biggest story of the week this week landed on Monday night as the state legislative session, as usual, came down to the wire. It was a chaotic scene, according to all the headlines I saw. But now that the dust has settled and we can start picking through what they actually managed to pass. Andy, you were at the Capitol on Monday as you were all session. Indeed. What did you see? Well, surprisingly, they actually wrapped up at 10 p.m. two hours earlier than they technically had to. But it was not because it was a peaceful and sedate end to session. I mean, it was it was chaos. It was Republicans walking out of the building in protest of this super fast moving property tax measure. Mm-hmm. Democrats in the Senate killing off the land use bill, which was the biggest polish priority of the year, the biggest priority of the governor this year. And just unhappy tidings all around. Democrats in the House caucus really criticizing each other pretty sharply over how the session went. It just seemed like you saw this session where Democrats really tried to exercise their power in big ways. They are a supermajority in the House. They've had power for a while. And with that kind of supermajority power comes some real conflicts over how you use it. Hmm. Patty, how about you? What are your what are your big takeaways from this session? 
Well, you know, they say you shouldn't watch legislation being made because it's like watching sausage being made. Uh I can't even tell if we got a sausage out of this session. (laughs) It is still so confusing what happened. I mean, we're going to look at HH, which is what we're going to vote on in November for the tax initiative. I mean, if that's sausage, it's not very appetizing. And we're all going to have to be going through it until November to figure out exactly what that means. So, But the other thing, the land use bill... You think this was Polis's big move. And the only thing I can think is that he it was a secret weapon to bring the rest of the state together because we've talked about how much how divided Colorado is. Well, everyone agreed, except for a few developers, that they hated that proposal. Hmm. You remember? I don't so know you about had everybody. The, well, all right. A lot of people who never agree on anything. Certainly a lot of city leaders, Republicans, rural and, leaders. You know, should we explain what the land use bill is before please, we dive into it? Please. The governor in March said, hey, we're going to really change the way development and growth works in this state. Uh, hey, cities, you now have to allow condos, duplexes, triplexes, et cetera, in all your residential neighborhoods. And it kind of got chopped and screwed from there and turned into different things. But the upshot of it was that the governor wanted to take some of that city power over zoning and say, we're going to have a little state push here to force you to allow more housing. Mm-hmm. And when you say city, you're also talking any municipality. So you're talking little towns on the plains, little towns in the mountains. People were mad. I mean, you, when you have Hancock agreeing with a mayor of a town out on the plains, you know you have done something extraordinary. Unfortunately, it was it did not work out well for anybody in the end. You know, that last second push to bring that bill back. First, it was just going to be an assessment of what affordability rules and things were out there and what was needed. Yeah, a study yeah. bill. Yeah, so another study bill, which you could have lived with. Then, then more amendments were added to bring back some of what Polis had wanted, but it just ended with rancor and nothing. And even the kumbaya moments between, you know, the plains, the urban areas, that was gone too. Yeah, that that local control issue, I think that was the one piece of that that stuck out to me most. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, actually. But Andy, I really wanted to hear from you. Did you think that local control was the real reason that all of these mayors were pushing back? Did they have any disagreements on policy and not just the mayors but like at the capital as well was that the real disagreement there i think that when you propose a big change like this it drew instant backlash from the voters and from the constituents who really have the most the loudest voice in those cities from people who have vested interests from property owners and that city elected officials heard that and conveyed that to the state And I think that local control was a legitimate issue because the question was, who gets to control this? Do you get to control it at the super local level or at the state level? But what you can debate over is is what was driving that resistance. I think local Mm. control was what they were arguing about. But what was the reason they were arguing about it? You know, it is both the philosophy of who should have authority here, but it's also, you know, a resistance to development, a, a resistance to wanting to see your city change. And it is a fear of giving away that power to the state level. Yeah, of wanting the change to happen on someone else's terms. Mm -hmm. I can see it feeling that way. Patty, it seems like to me that this touches on this bigger debate in Colorado about growth, this tension about what does growth look like? How do do we like it? Do we not want it? You've seen that debate come and go. Did this feel different to you at all? I would say the local control issue is what really felt different. You look at the 
growth cap, for example, that was one of the issues. You look at Boulder and what's happened in Boulder and Boulder mm-hmm. prices because of the growth cap. So that was one of the controversial issues. I think getting rid of growth caps made a lot of towns that had never had to worry about growing too much happy. Mm-hmm. Um, other towns didn't like losing that. Uh, the big difference now is throwing into the growth of Colorado uh, the, the cost. It's never been that bad before. Mm-hmm. Now, in some parts of Colorado, it still isn't that bad. I mean, if you go out on the plains, if you go to southeastern Colorado, you are not going to be spending that much. But anything close to an urban area or an attractive, popular recreational area, you are paying so much. And that's what threw fuel in the fire on mm-hmm. this one. And that's interesting because that's one of Polis's other big priorities was the cost of living. This has been the drum he's been beating for a long time now. So, Andy, how do, how does he come out of this between those two those two pillars of priorities, the, the cost of living and the, the housing density stuff? Well, this was his answer was that density was a way to deal with the cost of living. Mm-hmm. And he comes out of it, I think, realizing that he's going to have to do a lot more to convince people that that is the solution. And to show people, like, what is density actually going to look like? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I was going to say, if he really had, if he'd strategized before and you kind of wonder who was advising him on this, where was his gut that they didn't see how badly this would go and how tough the reception would be in the beginning and what you would have to do to get it through, he's going to have to go on a tour of Every county fair, I would say, he needs to do a statewide tour to really talk to people about this and sell them on the concept if it's going to come back again and be successful. Yeah, here's how it's going to look in your community. Here's the vision for The Republicans were complaining they'd never been consulted. Well, there had been a lot of meetings in advance, but maybe not the Republicans who were complaining were consulted. Hmm. So, But you really need to get everyone at the table in advance if they're going to try it again. Hmm. I just didn't see a huge retail campaign to go out to these neighborhoods and convince them like, hey, nobody's going to come and like tear down your whole neighborhood and build giant apartment blocks. I think if they want to try this again, they will have to go out and really prove to people that they should not be terrified of density and that it can be a benefit to your neighborhood. Hmm. Colorado, we're all in this together. They would need they need to have a little kumbaya movement. Well, if anyone's curious about what that might look like or uh, what examples they might point to, I recommend going back and listening to our Cherry Creek Week. That's mm. that's an example of how densification has worked over the last 10 years. They got big buildings there full of people living in apartments and condos. I thought and, that was a very interesting case study. And that could also be an argument against it, depending <laughs> on how people, you feel about absolutely. Cherry Creek. <laughs> but, you know, it, it wasn't just developers, to go back to Patty's point, opposing it. I think you have a growing core of people who just cannot find a place to rent or afford who do see like an opportunity to who do think that if you just would build some more they would have somewhere to go and who are resentful that you know many of you own single family homes in neighborhoods that don't allow anything else and see it as exclusionary that we've not opened the door a little bit for growth and that's a big change i think from the past where there is a natural and understandable criticism and skepticism of developers the question is, can we change that relationship and convince people that development can be okay? Hmm. All right. Well, we should move on. Um, one of the other big narratives going into this session was that Democrats were in total control. 
They had the governor's office. They had both chambers of the legislature. So this was really a test of what the Democratic Party of Colorado wanted to do. Um, but then here we have at the very end of the session, Andy, you alluded to this earlier, a quote from first time Democratic legislator out of the spring, Stephanie Vigil. Uh, this is from Axios Denver. She says of Republicans, mm -hmm. you're dealing with very, very, very bad men, she told her colleagues. Bad men, violent men, people who want to kill a lot of us. They do. I know that they do. Andy, why is she so angry at Republicans after this session? Well, the entire session, especially in the House, you saw debates over things like abortion, over, you know, how are we going to treat trans people in the state? And when you sit and listen for hours upon hours of testimony about that or lawmakers talking about it, yeah, you're going to hear points of attack and criticism that feel like they are directly going at your identity. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, Representative Vigil interpreted many of those remarks as being attacks on herself. And we, we heard that from women in the Black Caucus especially. And they wanted to see the Democratic speaker do more to gavel down Republicans, while Republicans, of course, say that they were just arguing a rhetorical point and weren't targeting anybody. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. That sounds like a really tense atmosphere. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, hey, it's politics. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Patty, what do you think we learned about Governor Polis's Democratic Party this session? Well, we already knew it, but it was confirmed that not all Democrats are created equal. They do not all think the same way. And you could see it just in the incredible range of Democrats in both the House and the Senate in mm -hmm. Colorado. So they could have, if they'd wanted to, all work together, get through, because they have a supermajority. They could have gotten yep. almost everything through. But to do that, they would have had to all agree on every point. And we now know they don't. Just just the same way we've got to give the Republicans the same look. Every Republican in Colorado is not you know, a right-wing Tina Peters nutcase, mm -hmm. which is great, because if they were, we'd really be in trouble in this state. Yeah, what's interesting is that the House passed a lot of pretty progressive legislation and the Senate ended up acting as this filter. You know, Democrats, again, as Patty said, control both. But you'd see stuff come out of the House and then just kind of shrivel up and die in the Senate, either in committee or they just let it languish. So the Senate really stopped a lot of this stuff from reaching the governor's desk, hmm. such as, you know, rent stabilization, substance use, treatment sites, et cetera. Right. Right. You know, we, we were talking about growth a second ago. There's one other housing bill that I want to talk about. Something you flagged on Twitter, Andy, mm. about growth caps. Yeah. There was a bill about growth caps. That, yeah. What happened there? It passed. It was so interesting because just like the land use bill, this is overriding local authority over growth and saying, hey, you can't be having these laws that say you can only build so many residential units per year in your city, which would be Golden, Lakewood, Boulder really come to mind. Uh-huh outlawed those and did it with bipartisan support where we saw Republicans who were totally opposed to the land use bill were like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't be able to do that. So what do we make of that? I mean, if they're, if local control matters on one bill, but not on the other. Well, my take is that local control means what you need it to on any, any given bill. You know, it's still a sure. legitimate concern as who should be able to make what decisions, but it can vary a lot. And I also think that it's easier to say, Boulder specifically, you can't do that rather than the land use bill would have been a mandate on dozens of cities. So it's easier to say that other guy, no, mm. versus everybody has to do something. Interesting. All right. Well, let's wrap up with um, something. I mean, I, I asked each of you to prepare beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I thought this would be fun if, if we each picked a, a big win and an epic fail of the session. So this could be a person, a policy, a strategy. Who wants, who wants to go first? 
I'll let Andy. He was right, there. Andy, take it. Take us away. All right, I got two. The first was yes, the ideological consistency of the concept of local control had a bit of a fail because mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, you 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 would see people arguing that we need local control over housing, but you can't have local control over drug policy, and you can't have local control over rent stabilization, or you could flip it. So while again, it's a, it is a legit concern, it is very malleable. Mm-hmm. And I also had a, a personal little fail on the last night of session. I was able to go up to the tippy top dome of the Capitol, uh-huh. not just like the balcony, but you know, there's like that little like red light on top of it, like a glass like bulb. I, Patty, yeah, do yeah, I do bulb? know about okay. this, but I'm just I've I can't wait to find out how this happened. It's well, very Spider Man. Well, the, what <laughs> happens is you know the Senate President likes to give tour, give tours of the very tip tippy top of the Capitol occasionally. Sure. Uh-huh. Terrifying to get up there, like seven different sets of the most scary stairs that you've ever been on. And eventually you crawl your way up there and stick your head in the little glass dome. And I did it, but I was like too scared to get a selfie. So I consider that to be a major fail. I have uh, nothing to yeah. mark nothing to mark the occasion. Yeah, picture didn't happen. Sounds Did like happen. A, <laughs> sounds like a big, big fat lie. I don't believe <laughs> no. it. Um so that's your that's your fail, Patty. Do you want to do give us a fail? Well, I'm gonna give Polis the fail on the land use bill because 100%. just he if he hadn't made it such a platform for this year, um it wouldn't have been so striking. But in this case, he is a politician who's barely has not made a lot of missteps over time. And in this case, you just wonder, was it judgment? Was it he really just maybe he wanted to create chaos so we can come make order out of chaos next year. But right now it looks like an epic fail. And they defended as like, well, we started the conversation and our big priorities have always taken years. But I don't recall that any of the big priorities like failed to result even in a bill one session and i kind of wonder like i think that they wanted to get something done quickly coming out of the election while they were at the height of their power and they they knew that overcoming local control would always be a fight and so maybe they thought they could just get it through in one session now they have to kind of retrench and try again with a much bigger push behind it Hmm. and i have to say the whole state house for not having dealt with property tax earlier and better i mean that was one we knew that was coming Mm -hmm. ever since the repeal of the Mm -hmm. gallagher amendment because we voted for it right and three years later that we have to have such an incredible cluster in the last day on these big bills big big issues for coloradans yeah and you can debate over why it had to come in the last second like the democrats will say well we were negotiating with all these different parties and we didn't know what the valuation increase would be and we only have four months but the result was that it was very hard to parse the actual fiscal effects of it and there are parts of it that i still don't have the level of detail that i want on it to be able to explain to readers so that was not great yeah, for, that is at least for my explanatory purposes. Enormously complicated uh, situation with those property taxes. We will be talking about that a lot more because that is going to be on the ballot yep. in November. Um, can they just do that with anything, by the way? If what? like they can't agree on something by the end of the session, they're just like, uh, put it on the ballot. Voters will figure it out. You can put a lot of stuff on the ballot and they have. Interesting. Doesn't mean it'll pass, though. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's such a anyway, Patty. Do you have a do you have a win? A big win? Big win of the session? I will say it's a little win, but definitely for the little guys, the parents who moved to Colorado in order to give their children who are suffering from seizures CBD. And at, oh, I love at, that. at one point, the Charlotte's Web CBD. I think everyone's heard about that because it was big. You know, on CNN, it changed uh, Sanjay Gupta's 
feeling about cannabis. And at the last second, there had been a change in a bill that would have prevented these families from getting that. And that was changed and went through. So these kids will still have access on Hmm. a pretty on a pretty generous level. Okay, that's great. Andy, you got one? Three words. Stegosaurus license plate. <laughs> yeah, we did a show about that. With uh, We had somebody from uh, Dinosaur Ridge come on and talk about it. It was really, it's cool. It's a nice story. Who doesn't want a dino on their plate? Granted, you know, not unanimous. Republicans tend to not like license plate bills, see them as a little bit frivolous, but I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. Um, all right, well, let's leave it there. We got we to gotta take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a second with something else. And we're back. Um, so we have got a little segment planned for you. We're going to do uh, overlooked stories of the week. Everybody has selected a underreported or overlooked story, and we're going to talk about them. So who wants to go first? <laughs> All Please, right. Patty. I'm not thinking about which one I'm going to do. Um, it's been reported, but not in enough depth, that here we have the migrants coming back, which mm-hmm. we knew would happen when 42 was abolished along with the rest of the pandemic um, emergency regulations. So on Thursday, that was lifted. Flood of migrants continues. And that Denver once again really wasn't ready for the flood and wound up putting them all in the area parking garage while they processed them. And this is going to be something we're dealing with now for months to come, it looks like. Yeah, probably take over the rec centers downtown again. Yeah, and it raises this really interesting question of how liberal cities deal with immigration and how that shifts the politics around it. Right, exactly. And you look at the 20th Street Gym, for example, which was used as an intake center. 20th Street Gym, great old recreation center. It's got a boxing program for poor neighborhood kids. Those kids couldn't go to that boxing center for four months because it was used as a a migrant intake center. It's not like their parents could drive them to another, you know, to Aurora, Mm -hmm. to another boxing place. So considering which places you use, which you don't, I understand it's, it's challenging, but that was the wrong decision, and I sure hope they're not putting them back there again. And let me also bring up the mm-hmm. mayor of Pickleball. Remember him? Uh-huh, who got course. in so much trouble Our because, because he'd written with a Sharpie on the floor, and he, had, he was fined $5,000 uh, yes. to refinish the floor. Uh-huh. Yes. As it turned out, they didn't. They figured out a way to refinish the floor without using that. But then they used it as a migrant intake center, and they have to redo the floor again. And this guy still has to pay $5,000. They kept his money? They kept his money. <laughs> wow. That is an oh, outrage. Man. Small pickleball outrage, but an outrage nonetheless. There's no such thing as a small pickleball outrage. I've learned well, that's that in the last year. Every single one. Well, I think huge. You know, in the past when you've seen Republican governors send migrants to liberal cities as a kind of FU point, you know, you do see people step up and say, okay, this is our responsibility. Let's care for these people. Right. But you also will see a backlash at some point. And I would like to see, yeah, right. How does the city affirmatively respond to that and manage that? backlash in a way that uh, keeps everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough situation. We'll, we'll definitely have to talk more about that one. Andy, do you want to go next? Yeah. I have a free story idea and it's what happened to all the fair election fund money in the election. You know, lots of candidates were able to get a lot more money than they would have had otherwise. I'm just curious, like, did we grow the political consulting class in Denver? Did people spend higher salaries than they normally would have otherwise? Did it attract in the end? some of those many candidates that we saw, what were the effects of just inflating that, injecting rather that much public money into the election? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's a fascinating issue. I mean, we were talking about that all the way through the campaign, Patty. How do you, how do you feel about it now that some of, well, you know, it's not quite over yet, but. 
I actually liked it that we had so many candidates, even though covering it was crazy sure. for yeah. everyone. But I liked. But would we still have had that number of candidates? Maybe just a few, a couple might not have. Lisa Caldron, for example, said that having that money was one of the reasons she got back in. And really? it was probably one of the reasons she ran a much better campaign hmm. this time. But I think it was just pent up irritation with mm. an incumbent for 12 years that people yeah. just wanted to get out there. So we might have had fewer, but they were able to run better campaigns because they had the money. Yeah, I definitely don't think it was a bad thing to have more candidates. And it certainly reshaped the whole conversation. I do want to know. I'm sure some of that money went somewhere interesting. Yeah, you're saying like, what did we, we paid a lot for this. Like, what did we get? Yeah, what did we get? And also just what did people do with it? You know, it's... Well, they have to turn that in, right? The report. Yeah. So there'll be time to dig into that. There will be. We'll and meanwhile, money is still going to Johnston and Bruff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, all right. Well, I'll go next. Um, this is a story that I did not see anywhere, although everyone's going to be familiar with it. Uh, on Wednesday morning, I saw my first Miller moth of the year. Oh, God. I was in the garage and it just sort of, you know how they... <laughs> right yep. at my face yeah, just and like that. I did not like it. <laughs> uh, my wife got freaked out by it. Oh, man. Uh, she really does not. It, that's a problem. The whole house. household was in an uproar. It sounds like it was a, it was a, it was a rough morning. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, so we have a plan now, but anyway, I called up the chief lepidopterist nice. at the butterfly pavilion, Shiran Herskovich, uh, for some answers about how the Miller moth, uh, Migration is going to look this year. Um, so if you're not familiar with Miller moths, they come around late spring when the flowers are blooming. They're mm -hmm. pollinators. They're attracted to the flowers. That's why this happens coming from the eastern plains Wait, up to the they're mountains. So these are the guys we're trying to save. Exactly. Yes. I didn't know that. Miller moths are pollinators. So don't kill them. Like we should be cherishing them. We should love them. We I should don't know embrace them when they come. Is this supposed to be a big <laughs> Miller moth year? That was my oh, big no. question. Shiran says... It is going to be a pretty average moth year. It was a very wet winter, which means that the blooms are going to be very spread out. Mm. So the moths are not going to be congregating in the urban center <laughs> the way they did two years ago. Mothpocalypse. What a, what, a, what a rough one that was. I feel like last year was pretty mothless. I don't remember seeing a lot of them. Oh, really? Maybe I, I just I wasn't had, outside. I had, I had my share of moths. We I just mean, sent them your way. I guess so. I guess yeah, It so. sounds like they really affect Paul when he does see them. It is, it is a part of my life. Megan really does not like those moths. Um, how about you two? Do you have any preferences? Do you feel have any feelings about moths? I'd rather not have a moth on me. I don't mind them. It can be a little disconcerting when you happen to go downstairs, turn on the light, and all of a sudden you see you've been invaded. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. if you also grab an item of clothing you forgot to maybe store in an mm. appropriate way and discover there mm -hmm. are lots of moth holes. And you got to keep a moth cup around to catch oh. them when they come inside. Mm -hmm. Well, not now. If they're pollinators, we don't want to kill them, right? Well, I'm just going to put them outside. Oh, okay. There's nothing to pollinate in my house. Oh. <laughs> I just want to get them, take them out where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good for you. All right, well, we're getting into some fun activities to do around the city, which is perfect because it's time to take another short break and talk about the weekend. What's up, weather fam? Rain or shine, I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. And shoo, what a forecast we've had. We had huge hailstones the size of grapefruits falling out of the sky the last couple of days. 
uh, all a part of a severe weather system that's been moving through that's still impacting us. You've noticed all of the rain, inches and inches of rain here across the Front Range. And just for a little bit of perspective, Denver usually averages about 14 to 15 inches of rain per year. And just this week alone, we're talking about maybe getting a quarter of that. Two to four inches of rain is possible uh, through the end of this week in total. And it's not going to stop there. This weekend, looking rather wet too with thunderstorm chances both Saturday and Sunday. Highs are going to be pretty uh, cool. We're talking about mid-60s on Saturday and then upper 50s on Sunday. Overall, it is just kind of a cloudy and wet pattern and it looks like that chance for thunderstorms is going to continue into next week but at least the temperatures will be warming up just a bit and we're back it's time for the official citycast denver maybe for your weekend as in maybe you'll see us there because as usual there's so many cool things happening in denver this weekend but there's only one where you might see us we round up our best bets in our newsletter hey denver every week and editor adrian gonzalez is back to give us his top picks adrian welcome back to the show hey great to be back here in in westward great to see you hey adrian yeah happy faces so we're starting off this week this weekend um it's been a little rainy the last few days and they said that the idle hands are the devil's work. Okay. So I've got a, <laughs> Mysterious. I've got bitchin' stitchin'. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, it is a naughty cross-stitching class. Uh, and they, they sell it as the naughty cross-stitching class that you need in your life. So this one has happened in, at the Thompson Hotel, downtown Denver. You paid uh, 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. They provide all of the materials. They give you the first drink for free. And then you you get your all your ish out is what they're, they're calling it. So whatever anger you're carrying this week, Paul... I love that. Uh, you can go cross-stitching. This is good because I've been getting a lot of nasty stares when I've been doing cuss words at the normal cross-stitching class. <laughs> this is the one for Andy. <laughs> Big cross-stitcher, huh? Um, Big time. Cross-stitching is a good medium. It is It is fun. I mean, I talked about Megan earlier, but she, we have this great cross-stitch she did in college Um for some assignment or other, but it was uh, a, a human man, and he was holding up a, a rib, oh, like yeah. a pork yeah. rib. Megan underneath did this? it says uh, McRib is back, <laughs> and it was like some play on like Adam and Eve and and McDonald's. It's, wow, it's, that it's sounds cool. like a lot of work for not much payoff. <laughs> hey, Patty, not a big cross stitcher. Oh, I've done cross stitching, which is why I'm saying that's a lot of work for not much payoff. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work. It, was it is harder than you think. All right, so the second event this weekend, uh, speaking of all this rain, I know a lot of us got hailed and maybe our plants got a little a little messed up. The Denver Irving Gardens is having a spring plant sale uh, this weekend. So today and tomorrow, 10 to 3. Wonderful. It's at their location off of 33rd and Arapahoe. So get yourself new plants. They'll have DJs, workshops. If you don't, <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they, really, DJs. they really throw a party. Yeah, DJs. Yeah, for the plants. DJs Ooh. for the plants. Yeah, the plants grow better. That's yeah. great. A little house music. <laughs> It seems like a good Mother's Day activity, a plant sale, right? Yeah, absolutely. And remember, don't plant before Mother's Day. Those of you who got hailed on got that lesson. Yeah, I thought about doing it the other day. You actually might see me at the plant sale. That's okay. that's my maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, get a little something for, for mom. Yeah. Um, all right, Adrian, what else we got? All right, so this Saturday is something called Global Big Day which is a special hmm. birding holiday. So for Ooh. those of you who are into birding, I know Paul just perked up. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big birding fan myself. Great. This yeah. is uh, a global day, essentially, a global holiday that encourages nature lovers to go out and look for birds. Uh, and so the Highline Canal Conservancy is hosting a, uh, a birding walk tomorrow morning from 7.30 to 10 a.m. 
Uh, it's nice. at the Delaney Historic Farm. You can walk around. You don't need to know anything about birds. If you just want to get out, it's it's going to be a little overcast, but you could still see some birds. Nice. Delaney Historic. I don't know where that is on the High Line. Do you know, Patty? Yeah, it's, it's in Aurora. Beautiful. It's great. I mean, it's a really, really wonderful spot. Oh, my Prairie. gosh. That sounds wonderful. Some prairie birds? And Miller moths, <laughs> with any luck. <laughs> All right. Then the fourth event that I've got for us this week, uh, we have something called Viva Streets, which is a program put together by the uh, Downtown Denver Partnership, where they shut down about three and a half miles of city streets throughout Denver, uh, or they sh- I should say they shut them down to cars. Uh, and let pedestrians roll through. You can walk through. This is a good one to take your mom to. Oh, okay. Uh, there were four Sundays throughout the year. The first one kicks off this Sunday, uh, May 14th. It's from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they shut down streets. I think it's Broadway between Alameda and 20th. Wow. And then Welton Street from 20th to Five Points. So same thing that there are also DJs at this one. Oh, so if a you're a DJ job. fan, this this is the weekend for you. There's too many DJs. That actually sounds really cool. I'd like to see what a street and looks like. And if I can add... They then from 10 to 6, Taste of Colorado is being divided up. The normal Labor Day event is being divided up and it's parallel with this so that there will be events in Civic Center Park on the four days of Viva Streets. But there will be no Taste of Colorado Labor Day weekend. Oh, so they divided it. So there's, they divided it. So you've got to consider how you feel when you want your turkey legs. (laughs) Well, it's a lot of walking. You can walk off the turkey leg. Down through the center broad. That sounds really cool, actually. Those are like downtown yeah. big streets. I like the sound of that one. Um, well, what do we think? We got uh, bitchin' stitchin'. We got the plant sale, Denver Urban Gardens plant sale. We got the global big day. Oh, I just re- it, in birding, there's like a big year where you try to see as many types of birds as you can. Mm. So big day must be like a yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so we got big day, and then the Viva Streets first Sunday. Interesting. Okay. A lot of good options. Anything we can, what do you think? I'm going with Viva Streets just because it really needs to work. Yes. You really want this one to work. (laughs) If it doesn't, you know, for all the downtown and decay people, you Mm. want this to look good. Mm -hmm. And Denver is looking good downtown, so. I vote for Viva Streets as well because I can see a bird any day. (laughs) Oh, every day is a big day. All right. Well, I I like Viva Streets too, actually, because I'd rather be in the street uh, partying than dealing with the traffic around the shutdown streets. Okay, and there you have it. The official CityCast Denver may be for your weekend, but there's way more where that came from. Adrian's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Adrian, Andy, Patty, thanks so much for joining Thank you. Me. Thank you. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Anne-Maria Watt. Peyton Garcia and Adrian Gonzalez write our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, at CityCast Denver, and tell Bree about us the next time you see her. She's been under the weather this week and would love to hear from you. You can sign up for that daily newsletter I mentioned by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Today on CityCast, Kakariko Village. Calamity Ganon has fallen, thanks to a great hero in a green tunic. Who is this mysterious champion? 
Plus, Princess Zelda says she wants to rebuild Hyrule, but who's going to pay for it? What, are we made of rupees? I guess it's time to start smashing some pots. Today is Tears of the Kingdom release day, and I could not be more excited.